you for downloading this podcast from Victory Outreach Manchester. We pray that this message will bless your life as you listen. Come on, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, as we gather on this day around your word together in this place, we ask, oh God, that your anointing would flow in a way amongst us that is going to bring change. There's much that we can do in our own strength, with our own preparation, in our own planning, our own skill. And that's good. You love that. You love our skill. But it's not enough. It's never enough. Our skill is never enough. It's your anointing that breaks yokes. It's not our skill. It's not our ability. It's you. Holy Spirit, your peace crushes Satan beneath our feet. Your peace guards the way we think and the way that we feel in Christ Jesus. And it comes about because of your presence, Holy Spirit. When we know that you're with us, we know it's going to be all right. Because you are the guarantee that was given to the people of God that we will see the promises of God become reality. Father, today we bless you. We worship you. We adore you. Jesus, we are yours. You are our king and we are on your team. Holy Spirit, thank you for being with us. Even when we don't know it, even when we don't feel it, you are working. And God, we give you glory today. Bless this time. Make it special. Lord, don't let this just be a Sunday service that we forget in a hurry as we leave the doors. Let there be a deposit that is made in our lives that we're going to be able to draw on in the next weeks and months of our lives. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, guys. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, church. I want to speak to you today on the subject of hope. Hope. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. The Apostle Paul's writing, and he's been speaking about how to live right, how to live for God. And he says this in verse 1 of chapter 5. He says, Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Already there we're seeing what it was that we were just talking about and praying about. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Powerful stuff. And then he says this, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. What? Wait, time out. Hold the phone. What do you mean? We got to just get through trials as best we can. We got to forget trials. We got to just, just, you know, avoid trials, right? That's what we try and do in the world around us. But he's saying something different here. 
He's saying, when you run into problems and trials, rejoice. Have a bit of joy. That's crazy. And it is without God. And then he says this, he tells us why. For we know that they help us develop endurance. As many people want to lead stuff. As many people want to be leaders in the church. Many people want the pulpit. They want prominence. They want publicity, right? But how many of you know the best leaders are like the best chicken? Well seasoned. How do you become well seasoned as a leader, as a Christian, as a husband, as a parent? You have to go through your seasons. And I mean, if you know, some of those seasons are going to be up and some of them are going to be down. Some of them are going to feel good. Some of them are not going to feel good. But you don't grow in any way by running away from the season or trying to avoid the season or hiding from the season or being repelled from the season. You only grow when you go through the season. And it grows your endurance. Some of you know, sometimes you just got to grit your teeth and you got to hang on. Can someone say Amen. There is a season for having, having a, a, a happy life and there's a season for just gritting your teeth and just holding on for, the, the, for all your life. Right? But that grows your endurance, your stamina, your spiritual stamina. I've found that there are many people that start things well. Man, we've had hundreds of them in the church. You know, people come in, they get saved, they come in, they, they, you know, everything's great. They're available for everything, they want to do everything, everything's wonderful. And then they hit a season. They hit a trial. And then the next thing is, their heads fall off. You know, they're, 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 they're whining, they're moaning, they're, they're backing off, they're withdrawing, they're withholding. Because they've got no stamina. If you were going to start a marathon, you've got to start with the end in mind. It's not just about how you start when the cameras are there. It's how you run when there's no one else there. It's how you run when a guy dressed as a chicken is passing you. Are you with me? And you're there, you're, 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 you're knackered. You're like, oh gosh. And then this guy dressed in a big chicken suit runs past you. That then is when you know if you've got endurance or not. Are you going to keep going? Are you going to catch that chicken? Or it could be like a roadrunner. You could be like Wiley Coyote. Come on, somebody. Let's hope not, because he never, he never does it. But it's about that. These trials help us to develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character. Endurance develops strength of character. You know who you can trust? is someone who God has said that he can test. You can trust someone who's been through a test. I will get in a car with someone that has a driving license because they've passed the test. But if I get in a car with you and you've never passed the test, I ain't going to trust you. Hello? Are you with me? Imagine getting into a plane to fly to, you know, Benidorm or somewhere, wherever you're going, and the pilot comes on and says, this is my first flight, everyone. I, just, I was working in Asda last week. Blagged my way into it. Hope the, hope the landing is not too bumpy. 
You're not going to do that, are you? So people that go through tests, it develops our character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. That's what hope comes from. That's where hope comes from. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the guarantee. He's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So I'm going to ask you a question. How's your hope? Is your hope spiritual hope? Or is your hope worldly hope? Because there's a difference. Many people understand hope as like a kind of wishful thinking. Or I hope I'm going to pass my exam. Well, I hope that that beautiful man or woman is going to love me. Well, I hope that I'm going to go to my bank and I'm going to put my card in the machine and I'm going to see money there that I didn't even know where it comes from. I hope that when I wake up in the morning, I'm a stone lighter. How many of you have ever hoped those things? Come on, somebody. It's like wishful thinking. Are you with me? But that's not what the Bible means when it speaks about hope. The word hope in the Bible, bit of background, is, is, is found somewhere between 142 times in the King James Version to 182 times in the NIV, and it's divided equally between Old and New Testament. So this is not just a grace thing, right? Because grace is all the way through the Bible, from the beginning to the end anyway. But it is a thing that we need in our lives. It's a thing that God gives us. In the Old Testament, it's frequently used in the book of Job. And how many of you read the book of Job? How many of you know that Job needed some hope? Right? He got messed up. Sometimes we think our, our day is going bad. He lost everything in one day. We need hope. And then in the Psalms, we see a lot of hope. And how many of you, when you're going through it, you go to the Psalms? You read the Psalms, right? And uh, there's all different types of things in the Psalms that give us hope. And then in the New Testament, it's mostly found in Acts and Romans when things were developing and things were beginning. Biblically, the definition of hope is a confident expectation of something. And this something that you're confidently expecting is based on the solidity and the reliability of God's word. So he is guaranteed his word is solid. And he can be trusted. So if he gives you his word, if he makes a promise to you, then you can guarantee that he is not going to back out of that promise. And then not only does he give us his word as the rock and the foundation that we stand upon and hope for, but then also he gives us the Holy Spirit within our lives, within our minds, within our hearts as the guarantor of that hope. So hope is the proper response to the promises of God. That's what biblical hope is. It's the proper response. How many of you have ever got a, 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 a promise from the Lord? Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands online. Hallelujah. We can see you online. We have the technology. Amen. Lift up that pajama hand right now. Don't take your hand off the steering wheel, though, if you're driving. Praise the Lord. We've all had this. Are you with me? 
Hope is the proper response, though, to that. Because how many of you know, sometimes we don't see that promise come about immediately. And we live in an instantly gratified society. Right? Everyone wants everything now. And if you don't get it now, you're going to move to somewhere that you can. I went to McDonald's yesterday with Thomas after he got man of the match in his football match. Hallelujah. We went to McDonald's. Glory to God. And uh, we went to McDonald's because, you know, we do that as a, as a father and son. Um, have a little drive through Fast food. Fast food. Ah, fast food. <laughs> you get to the first window and they take your money. They take your money before you even get satisfied service. That's how, that's how quick they are. You notice that? The first window, give us your cash. The second window, you get there, you've already given your order. You know how it works. Some of you are like, I don't know how it works. Stop it. <laughs> Amen. Then you get to the second window and you expect your food. It's fast food. You've ordered already. A voice comes from nowhere. Can I take your order, please? So you give them your order. It comes up on the screen with the price. You drive to the next, the next window. Someone comes out. That will be such and such, such and such. Put the card machine out. Right? You tap the card. Money gone. You drive to the next window, expecting your fast food from the fast food restaurant. And then you get there, and more often than not, we get there, and we just have simple things like chicken selects, healthy things. <laughs> not fat, greasy burgers, chicken. And we get there, having ordered our, our chicken selects and two hamburgers. <laughs> two milkshakes. And we expect them in the fast food restaurant to deliver our food fast. We don't expect to have to fast while we're waiting for them to prepare it. And we get there and it'll be like, could you go and park up and we'll bring your order out to you. And then you have to go and you have to park up and wait for 10 minutes for someone to come out and look for you in the car, hoping that they're going to give you the right order. With your smoky barbecue sauce. So... You know, us being us, living in the world that we live in, this is my point. There is a point, by the way. <laughs> Every time I leave there, I'm thinking, I'm never going back there again. Fast food, it ain't fast. I'm not going there no more. Back in the day, you'd go in a restaurant and you'd wait while they cook your food. You wouldn't have a problem. Now we want it instant. You want it instant. Everything instant. But the promises of God don't work like that. Because God wants to prepare us first for what he's promised us. Some of you want an instant spouse. Microwave spouse. <laughs> Mr. and Miss McDonald. <laughs> right? And then you do yourself up. You clean your teeth. You brush your hair. Come on, somebody. You buy some new clothes. You go to an event. You go to church. And you're expecting... Your eyes to meet across a crowded altar, someone else. Because you've heard that that's possible. 
And then you go there and it doesn't happen. And you go again and it doesn't happen. And years go by and you still ain't miss, met miss, miss Right yet. You've met a few mistakes, but you haven't miss, met Miss Right yet. Hello? And you're like, God, what's going on? I'm going to leave church. I'm not going to church. You ain't giving me what I wanted. And God's like, listen, there's someone waiting for you. I've got a promise for you. That's the desire of your heart, but you ain't ready for them yet. You want to get married? You ain't even single yet. You still got all them numbers in your phone. Come on, somebody. Oh, am I treading on something right now? Huh? Right? You want to be a leader? You don't even know how to be a follower. Oh, help me, somebody. Right? You want to receive God's blessing? You don't even sow into God's kingdom. God's preparing us for what he prepared for us. And that can take some time. It can take some trials. But the guarantee is that if he said it, it will come to pass. It's just waiting for you to catch up to it. It's waiting for you to make the progress in the right direction that gets you to the place where the promise becomes a reality. Hope is the proper response to the promises of God. The great patriarch Abraham serves as a prime example. We read in Genesis about his story about how he came from civilization into the wilderness. We read about all the things that he did. And then in Romans chapter 4 verse 18, he says, it says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. He was 100 years old, you're going to have a kid. What? I'm all wrinkled and baggy, man. How am I going to do it? How's that going to happen? It happened. It happened. He had to wait, but he waited in hope because of God's promises to him. And that's important. The definition in the dictionary of hope is to trust in, wait for, look for, or desire something or someone, or to expect something beneficial in the future. That's hope. And even worldly hope has benefits. But once again, hope is looking forward to something better in the future that's been promised. Having hope, when you've got hope, it helps you make decisions that are going to set you up for something good later on. If you ain't got hope, you'll just, you'll just do stupid things. How many of you have lived in a hopeless existence before and you've just like, I'm just going to self-destruct. I'm just going to press the self-destruct button. I'm going to smoke that, drink that, look at that, go with that, sleep with that, do this, do that, don't do that, because I don't care, because I ain't got no future. But when you know that there's something laid up for you, something in store for you, then you're going to make decisions differently. And that's hope. If you want to know your past, someone said, look at your present condition. But if you want to know your future, look into your present actions. Huh? You want to know your past? Look at your present condition. Come on, somebody. I'm slightly bigger than I was back when I first got married. But that's because, that's because of my wife's love and cooking. and You know what I mean? It's just, just, just being blessed. Before that, I was skinny because I didn't eat properly. I was running around. I was trying to catch a rib. Come on, somebody. Once I caught my rib, that was it. I was confident in hope that she was going to love me anyway. <laughs> so having hope 
makes a massive difference to your life. Because decisions made without hope lead to very different outcomes to decisions made with hope. In our opening scripture, Paul points out three things that there's three privileges of grace, the grace of God. There's peace, place, and purpose. And through his grace, we have peace with God. And that comes about through Jesus Christ, who paid the sin debt that we owed so that the peace of God could come back into our lives, that we're not at war with God, we're not in enmity of God, we're not opposed to God, we're at peace with God. And that comes about through Jesus Christ. You have peace with God. And then you have a purpose with God. And that purpose is important. The purpose is powerful. Are you with me? And then there's a place. There's that place with God. We're righteous in Him. We have right standing with Him. We can be with Him. We can come before Him. We can go into His divine counsel when we pray. And we can be confident that if He hears our prayers that are aligned with His will, then He is going to act on our behalf. And then our purpose then flows from that. You know that you're born for something. You're even born for someone. God's maybe preparing them for you and you for them. And that's not just marriage. That might be a congregation. It might be a ministry. It might be something else. God's preparing you for what he's prepared for you. And because of these things, we can face the trials that life puts us through with joy and not fear because every trial trains us somehow. If you've got God in your life, you know that the trial's training me. Amen? When you face it correctly, the trials produce qualities in us which enable us to go in the right direction. Starts with perseverance, the determination to keep going, which develops character which really has us becoming shaped to look like Christ. That's character. Your personality is who you are. Amen? To other people, to the people surrounding you. It's your natural bent. You're clever or fun and funny like me, or, you know, you might have a different type of personality. I don't know. That's your personality. You can be an introvert. All the introverts, put your hands up. <laughs> Notice they all did it separately. They're all like all over the place. There's no one next to the introverts. All the extroverts, give me a shout. <laughs> That's your personality. Your character is how much of Christ bleeds out of you when you get cut. How much of Christ comes out of you when you get squeezed in a situation. How much you can bless your enemies and bless those who despitefully use you. How many of you can forgive people that have done wrong against you? How many of you, when pushed into a corner, can say, praise God, I'm still going forward? That's your character. And that leads to hope in the whole salvation thing we're involved in. Based upon that confidence in how much God loves us and how much Christ has done for us, even though we never deserved anything. And then by the time you've been through this process, you really will have a confident expectation and a hope in the God who's never, ever let you down. I don't know about you, whether we've let God down many times. I've let him down in word and deed. Come on, somebody. There's times I've wanted to quit. Am I the only one? Right? But my hope in God 
you know, there's this thing. I, I, I want to find out what happens if I don't quit. That's hope. That's hope. And hope is one of those three main elements of Christian character. With, with love and faith. So here's three things to consider about hope, and then we're done. And some of you are hoping that this is going to end. <laughs> but that's not hope in God, because God's preparing you for what he's prepared for you. Three things, amen, that hope does. Number one, hope can help you cope. I like this acronym. I read this acronym about hope. Hold on, pain ends. Hold on, pain ends. How many of you have been through something that you thought was never going to end, but you're the other side of it now and it ended? So if it did that before in Christ, and Christ had you then, how many of you believe that he can do whatever it is that he needs to do now with you? Hold on, pain ends. No matter what life crisis or trauma that you're going to face, Always think hopefully, speak hopefully, work hopefully, act hopefully. Do all you can to make hope a daily habit. And it will change your life. John Homer Miller, who was an 18th century writer, said this. He said, I love this. Your living is determined not so much by what life brings you as by the attitude you bring to life. Not so much by what happens to you as by the way your mind looks at what happens. Circumstances and situations do colour life, but you have been given the mind to choose what the colour shall be. You can either have it all in black and white, or you can have it in Technicolor, 4K, Ultra, HD, whatever, whatever, whatever. Life can be down, and you can be down and that's it, or you can be down and looking up. I used to have a saying, I'm never down, I'm either up or I'm getting up. Are you with me? Back in the world, me and my boys, man, you know, if we're going into a fight, then people, you know, if anyone wanted to fight us, I used to consider them a suicide anyway. You want to fight us, you better kill us. Because we ain't going to quit, we ain't going to bow down. And then we, we used to have attitudes like that back out in the world, and then we get saved and we become all wimpy and lispy. We went through stuff. We, 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 you know, we made it happen when we was out in the world. Come on, somebody, help me out. You got through, you got by, you made it happen, you get saved, and the next thing, the least little thing happens, and you're taking your tithes, you're leaving the church. You're not going to talk to that person anymore. You're saved. You're made in the image of Christ. Live like it. But hope can help you cope. How does that work in the world that we're living in? Why is this message so important right now? Well, we have the fear of war. You've got a lunatic in Russia who's threatening nuclear war. Nuclear war of what? This is 2022, man. Threatening nuclear war, what nutter? Right? You've got war. You've got all of that stuff. But you can hope that God is your protector. When things are going mad all around you, you can hope that God is your protector. What about when there's an economic crisis hanging over everyone? 
Do we heat or eat? What's happening with the fuel bills? What's happening with the gas prices? What's happening with this? Are we going to be able to afford our mortgages? If you just come under all that stuff, then it's going to crush you. But when you have hope in God, you can hope that whatever happens financially, God is your provider. He's going to take care of you. He's never let you down in the past. Here you are. You've got food in your stomachs. Lots of it. You've got clothes on your back. You've got a roof over your head. Come on, somebody. You've got shoes on your feet. You managed to get here. Or you're watching this on some sort of electronic device. God is your provider. You can have hope in that. When things start getting mental, just trust in God. That is, he said he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. When chaos and confusion invade your life and people are arguing and things are going crazy and you don't know what's happening, when it's all madness, you can have hope that God is your peace. God will sort it out. He will come in the midst of it. And even in the midst of the storm, you can be standing there fully pieced up. Just going, yeah, man. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's the restorer of your soul. He's the cleanser of your mind. He loves you with an everlasting love. You, 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 if you belong to Jesus right now, you, are, you have never been loved more than you've ever been loved right now. There's nothing you can do to ever get away from that love. There's nothing that can stand in the way of that love. You don't have to do anything for it. In fact, you couldn't do anything to earn it. You just had to receive it. And you have to say, I am loved by God. I can't get my head around it. I don't understand it fully, but I receive that right now. I am loved by God. And you can have hope that if he loved you back then when you were a sinner, he's going to love you now you're a saint. Oh, but I mess up, you say. Yeah, all the time. And if you said that, you just did. And if you say you never mess up, then you just did. But God loves you anyway. You can have hope in that. If you mess up, you can have a confident hope that Jesus can clean up your mess. And not only that, but he can turn your mess into a message that's going to bring hope to someone else. And all this happens, man. When your faith lines up with your hope in Jesus, and that's where we need to be. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. In one translation, New Living Translation, it says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Faith is the action you make because of the hopeful belief that you have that God and his promises can be trusted. So you trust that God is who he says he is and does what he says he will do. And if he's promised it, then it will come to pass. And that enables you to then step out in faith and act upon it. Sometimes wonder what's happened to faith in church. What's happened to faith in people? What's happened to faith in Christianity? Are you with me? COVID smashed a lot of people's faith right out the window. Huh? Fear was there. Fear, 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 fear. Where's your faith? Got to get some faith back. Got to make some moves. Got to have faith that God's going to bless you. Second thing. First thing, hope can help you cope. And second thing, I love this. You're going to love this. Hope can help you heal. I read some, I was reading around this. So I'm going to, I'm going to read out for some st statistic stuff, some academic stuff, all right? 
So even hope in the world has an effect. So how much more should hope in the kingdom have an effect? Watch this. There's a guy by the name of Jerome Groupman. Jerome Groupman. Amen. With a name like that, you need to hope that people get it right. Hallelujah. And he wrote this thing called The Anatomy of Hope. And he wrote this. He said, researchers are learning that a change in mindset has the power to alter neurochemistry. So this is not just pie-in-the-sky wishful thinking stuff, right? This is actually neurochemical changes. He said, belief and expectation, the key elements of hope, hope, can block pain by releasing the brain's endorphins and encephalins, mimicking the effects of morphine. Hope's like dope. I don't know about you, but I used to be a dope addict. But now in Christ, I'm a hope addict. When I was on heroin, when I was taking drugs, I would take it every day. I'd look for it every day. And when it started to lower its levels in my body, I'd up its levels. Now the same thing is with hope. When I start feeling down, I start looking up. When things around me start getting chaotic, I start asking God for His peace. I want to top the hope levels up. And it actually does something. And your body starts feeling better. Hello. In some cases, hope can also have an important effect on fundamental psychological processes like respiration. I can't breathe, I'm anxious. Are you with me? What do they tell you? Suck on a paper bag. All right, praise God, do that. And then praise God. When you've got your breath back, start praising God. Start asking God to help you, to show you what he promised you again. It helps with respiration. Circulation. Come on, somebody. Some of you get all swollen and bloated because your circulation's bad. My circulation's mangled from sticking needles in myself for 10 years. But how many of you know God can restore your circulation? He can restore the circulation of the actions in a relationship. He can restore the circulation of communication when you've got a little bit of hope. And then even motor function. Motor function. You know when you start getting awkward and you fall over and you trip up and your balance goes out of place and your muscles don't work. Hope can even help to deal with that and make it stronger. This is... This is this is academic stuff. Groupman's research showed that during the course of illness, belief and expectation, two mental states associated with hope, have an impact on the nervous system, which in turn sets off a chain reaction that makes improvement and recovery more likely. So there's a link between hope and emotional well-being, and even physical well-being. Another guy, Shane Lopez, wrote a book called Making Hope Happen. And he said this, he asked this question, he said, have you ever met a happy, hopeless person? Have you ever met a happy, hopeless person? No, because you can't have the two things in the same equation. You can't be happy and hopeless at the same time. Hope, Lopez says, buffers us from stress, anxiety, and the effects of negative life events, and I will add, even negative people. I mean, even though there's some negative people around. Everything's, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Really what they're saying is, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. Negative. But hope can flip the script 
and make the negative positive. And it can protect you from the effects of that. Studies of workers over time suggest that hopeful employees experience more well-being. Come on now. Am I helping you? In a Gallup poll of one million people, and it doesn't say what, you know, what percentage were Christians or non-believers, but just one million people, the hopeful said they laughed and smiled much more than the hopeless. <laughs> I've got hope. Some of you, you need to turn your frown upside down. Smile at me right now. Turn around smile at someone right now. If you're online, put up a little smiley picture right now. Show your tooth or your teeth or whatever you got. Sometimes you show your tooth and it gives someone else hope. Hallelujah. You were looking good until you opened your mouth. You've only got one tooth. I've only got three. But that gives me hope that I can look good too. According to Lopez, studies also showed, watch this, hope promotes healthy behaviours. Hope promotes healthy behaviours, including fruit and vegetable consumption. Yeah, it's in the book. Regular exercise. Because you hope that you're going to be able to shed them pounds. You hope you're going to be able to build them guns. You hope that by next summer, your bikini body is going to be looking good. Or beach body, whatever. Amen? You're going to look well on the beach instead of looking like a whale on the beach. Hallelujah. Huh? Hope, exercise, regular exercise, safe sex practices. Hope promotes safe sex practices. Because you ain't just going to go with mistake or Mr. Right Now. Come on, somebody. You ain't going to give up your purity to get something right now, to meet a need right now, but forget that there's later on that's going to come. Safe sex practices. And it helps people quitting smoking. In each case, he writes, hope for the future is clearly linked with daily habits that support, help, that, that support health and prevent disease. Hope. And that's because hope triggers what they call, academics call, a virtuous cycle. Hopeful people conjure a vision that sustains them, causes them to show up for the hard work, accept the setbacks. They make an investment in the future that pays off in the present. So you're hoping for something in the future that changes the way you decide to do things right now. And right now then, you start positioning yourself in a different way that's going to promote hope. It's a cycle of virtue. And you grow from, from glory to glory to glory. But you can't do that if you don't believe that God is good and His mercy endures forever and that He can be trusted to bring about what it is that He promised. But if you do, I said if you do, if you believe that God is who He says He is, that Jesus has done what He said He would do and He is where He says He is and He is living to make intercession for you and that He's coming back, and he holds your life in his hands, then you can hope. You can have joy. 
That you know that, that that thing that you're going through ain't the end of the thing. It's just a thing you're going through. So hold on, pain ends. Just keep going. Winston Churchill said, when you're going through hell, keep going. Because you hope that the end is going to come. You hope that the end of a tunnel is coming up. You hope that the end of the situation is coming up. You hope you're going to graduate the home one day. Hallelujah. You hope one day you're going to be walking down the aisle. You hope your children are going to be born. You hope your children are going to grow up. You hope your ministry is going to be blessed. You hope your house ain't going to fall through. You hope all these things. Hope. Hope makes an investment in the future that pays off in the present. And that links with the faith because faith makes an investment in the present that pays off in the future. Third thing, last thing. Hope helps others. When you're hopeful, it's catching. When you have hope in Jesus, you can be a huge help to others due to your outlook and your attitude. Because I believe my Redeemer lives. Ask most people in the world, where do you think you're going to go when you die? Some of them will be like, well, I hope I'll go to heaven, even if they're not a believer. Some people are just, you know, they're just stuck in, I'm just going to wink out of existence. Because I'm just a meat suit filled with random chemicals. All right. But most people know that there's something else. And how many people, how many of you, before you got saved, hoped that you were going to go to heaven because you were a good person? Really? When, when the day I was born again, my friend said to me, where are you going to go when you die? I said, I'm going to go to heaven, bruv. He said, what makes you think that? I said, well, I'm not a nonce, paedophile, right? Sex, sex case, I'm not one of them, because that was big where I come from. I'm not a grass. I'm not an informer, because that was big where I came from. I don't hurt people that don't deserve it, because <laughs> that was big where I came from. And in my mentality, I was a good person. Even though I was allegedly a criminal and I was definitely a drug addict. I stole from people that had more than me. Really and truly, they're just keeping my money away from me. Banks? Yeah, definitely. And he said, no. Nah. He said, that's not how it works. But how many people do you ask that have a hope that is misplaced? about where they're going to go, what's going to happen to them. So when you know what it is that you know and you have this confident expectation based upon the promises of God that said, if you come to me and you give me your allegiance and trust that I am the Lord and Savior and I've paid the price and I've defeated all the enemies and if you get on my side, then there's benefits attached to that, which is the gospel message. And if you know that and you know that God has been faithful in the little things. He's been faithful. He did change your mind. He did deal with your addiction. He did break you out of that cycle. He did move you into a different place. Your mentality has changed. Your society, societal truth has changed. Everything around you has changed. Your circumstances even begin to change. And you know that God is true to his word. Then imagine what that attitude does for the people that are out there that have no hope. Or they hope in the wrong thing. You then can be the measure. Has anyone ever said to you, man, what is it that you've got? Why is it you've got so much peace? What, what's that? What, what, what? It's that hope, man. 
Your hopeful example helps. Your hopeful action helps. The Apostle Paul said this to the Romans because his hope caused him to pray for others. Romans 15, 13, he says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, guys, some of you have leaked. Some of you have leaked hope. Some of you, you haven't been acquainted with the Holy Spirit for a long time. Some of you have settled for religion. Some of you have settled for the comfort zone. Some of you have settled for twice a week coming to church. Some of you have settled for two, two things that you do for God. Some of you have settled for giving God the least that you can instead of the most that you can. Some of you have settled for putting him last. Some of you have got into the cycles of, of, of something sickness and somewhere syndrome and someone selfishness. That as long as I get that someone, I'm going to be all right, God. As long as I get something that I want, then everything's going to be all right. If only I was somewhere else, then everything would be all right. And God says, nah. He says, you just need me. You need to trust in my promises. You need to be in a place that I want you to be. You need to understand that I'm the only someone that you need. That the something you need is salvation. The blood of Jesus Christ. The somewhere you need to be is in my presence. And you need all of that guaranteed by the guarantor himself, the Holy Spirit. But you have to want him to come in. You have to invite him to come in. You have to accept him when he comes in. You have to know that the Holy Spirit is the one that is going to fill you with the love of God, the peace of God, the presence of God. And he is the one that releases the power of God. And the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. If he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. If it ain't done yet, it ain't over yet. So you need to have hope that what God said he will do is coming to pass. you just got to go through everything that you've been through, that he wants you to go through. You've got to go through that time of preparation so that when you meet up with the promise, you're ready for it. What's the point in someone giving you a brand spanking new car if you ain't passed your test and you ain't even got to pass? You're 15 years old. There's no point in having a car. By the time you get it, it will be old. Sometimes we want the promise, promises of God to come about too quick. Let God prepare you. And have hope that his promises are sure. I want, I want my soulmate right now. You're 12, man. <laughs> and even if you're 20, it's cool. It's time. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. Settle when God says settle. But until he says settle, you're still pioneering and going forward. And he's with you. He's with you. I'm going to finish with this. We're going to pray. And then we're just going to worship God and pray. And Spirit of God's going to fill some of you. Some of you are going to get filled. You're going to get filled. You're going to speak with new tongues. You're going to get visions and dreams. Some of you are going to get healed. I believe it. I have hope in my God that he does all these things. Some of you, you're going to get that answer that you've wanted this coming week. You're going to get the promotion that you deserve. Not just the one you hope for, but the one you deserve. Someone's going get, to get, give you favor. You're going to see these things open. God's going to open doors for you. I believe it. Do you believe it? Do you believe that God loves us enough to do these things? 
guy by the name of Henry Nowen wrote a poem called I Hope. Close your eyes and just listen to this and let this be your prayer. In fact, let's stand together as, as I read this. And let these words begin to stir something within you as you bear witness to it. Are you with me? He writes this. Close your eyes. Concentrate on hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. I hope that I will always be for each person what he or she needs me to be. Take that on board. Make that your prayer. I hope that I will always be for each person what he or she needs me to be. I hope that each person's death will diminish me, but that fear of my own will never diminish my joy of life. I hope that my love for those whom I like will never lessen my love for those whom I do not. I hope that another person's love for me will never be a measure of my love for him or her. I hope that everybody will accept me as I am, but that I never will. I hope that I will always ask for forgiveness from others, but will never need to be asked for my own. Ooh. I hope that I will always recognize my limitations, but that I will construct none. I hope that loving will always be my goal, but that love will never be my idol. I hope that everyone will always have hope. Father, I pray right now that whatever darkness we're facing in the world around us, the future in you is always better. We look back to the past. We see what it is that you've done to get us to the present. Sometimes we can look back with regret, thinking if only I'd have done that, I would be in a different place now. But God, I pray that you would move all that regret out of the way. The way to deal with regret is through repentance. Just change your mind. Take a different action. Make a different decision. And may the future be better than the past. Lord, I pray that hope is going to rise up. That we know that you're our provider, you're our protector. You're the one who comes alongside us, we're not alone. And that the future is going to be better than the past. Lord, we believe that your promises to us are sure. Your promises to me, oh God, the one that I hold on to more and most is that the wind is going to blow in my ministry. When that was prophesied over me years ago, 19 years ago, the first part of it was that it was first it's going to blow against me. It's going to be hard, my ministry. I'm going to lose people, lose finances for no reason other than just, it's just how it is. But then the word was, but hold on to your faith. And if you hold on to your faith and hope, the wind is going to change. 
and it's going to blow for you. And everything that was blown away will be blown back and more and you will see a move of God in your ministry like that in the days of the book of Acts. Lord God, I don't necessarily want a ministry of signs and wonders where people can, can take glory or distract from you. Lord, I want a ministry. I want a move of your spirit of conviction and holiness. Lord, I want people to live in a way that is like you, that images you, God. I want people to live in a way that the reality of heaven is here on earth. That when people meet us, they meet you, oh God. That when they meet us, when they listen to us, when they hear us, when they're around us, they feel the acceptance of who they are, but just not where they are. Not what they've done. But that there's that challenge to become everything that you created everyone to become. My hope in you, oh God, is that one day we will judge the nations. One day we will live forever with you, oh God, and there will be no more death and no more tears. One day, my God, we will know you in our midst daily. One day, oh God, you're going to make all things new. Our hope is that you're going to bless your people, that you're going to raise up new followers, that you're going to make new disciples, oh God, that we're going to see new leaders rise up, that we're going to see new ministry develop. We're going to see more souls saved. We're going to see young people rise up. We're going to see the gang explode in this church. We're going to see, oh God, new people in this area come to faith. We're going to see giftings flow. We're going to see people respond to the calling of God upon their lives. No longer living in comfort, no longer being a part of the falling away, but of the calling too. Holy Ghost, come right now and fill this place. Holy Spirit, come now and fill every heart. Come and fill every mind. God's calling people right now to get out of the comfort zone, to get out of the place of hopelessness, to stop looking in the wrong direction, to stop believing for the wrong thing, to stop wondering when God's going to do it. If He said it, He's going to do it. But you've got to play your part. If God says, I want you to go there and I'm going to bless you, then you better go there because He ain't going to bless you if you stay here. But if God says, you better not go anywhere, because my blessing is right here, then woe to you if you go somewhere else. Because you will not find his blessing except where he is and where he's told you to be. Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God. If this message is spoken to anyone today and you want to respond, we're just going to worship the Lord. If you want to come and worship with us on this day, then come down, man. Just come out and let's worship together. Make an action. Make a decision. Take an action. And just come and worship the Lord. Come on. Victory Outreach Manchester is a family in the city and we are here for you. Visit us every Sunday in person at the church building or live on Facebook and YouTube at 10am. Go to our website vomanchester.org.uk for more information.